Well, good morning, Mountain Park. My name is Jan. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here on the final Sunday of 2018. You know, how many of you are ready for 2019? <laughs> yeah. It's an exciting time to be turning over that calendar. Well, for those of you who have uh, been with us for a few years or for several years, maybe you know that on the final Sunday before New Year's, we have a tradition of doing what we call our top 10 mistakes. And so what that means is instead of having a a formal teaching where where Alan or someone comes in and and studies some scriptures and applies that to our lives, we, we take this time to reflect on the year that was and point out the areas where we messed up. Point out our epic fails, point out our mistakes, the areas where we blew it. Now, maybe that seems a little odd. Maybe that's not part of your normal experience in church, but we think it's important because we believe we learn more from our mistakes, our own mistakes, than we do from our victories. And we hope that by being honest and and sort of being willing to courageously and humbly publicly proclaim our mistakes, that Mountain Park becomes a, a, a place and a people who are comfortable taking ownership of our own brokenness, who are comfortable saying, hey, here's where I'm weak, here's where I need help, and and then we can invite Jesus into those areas of our lives. And so in the past, Alan has come up and he's shared his top 10 mistakes, and they've been everything from deeply personal things to leadership things to ministry things. And then last year, we did things a little bit differently. We, we broke it up. We had different people from staff and within the congregation share their mistakes. This year, Alan is out of town with his family, so we've broken it up again. So I want to introduce some of the folks who are going to be sharing their mistakes with us, and you should clap for them because it's not easy to do this. So this is Kimberly. She's our children's ministry director. We have DeAndre, our worship arts pastor. And then this is London. She's one of the students in our student ministry, one of our regular attenders. <laughs> she's, she's got some fans here today, I think. Uh, London also was someone who has participated in the past in our fellows program. If you don't know about fellows, it's an intense discipleship program for students, a great way for students to really go deep in their faith. And then after London, Alan is going to share a couple of his mistakes through the magic of video. Um, So we'll look forward to that as well. So I'm going to kick us off with with my two mistakes. So mistake number one is uh, this is how it worked last time. So uh, a few weeks ago, my wife <clears throat> pointed out that our water dispenser in our refrigerator was broken, and she asked me if I could fix it, to which I said, of course I can fix it. Right? Like, I fix things all the time. I'm relatively handy. I can take care of this. So I pull out my laptop, and I do what any self-respecting fixed person does, which is Google how to fix the water dispenser in your refrigerator, right? <clears throat> so I get some great videos up, and I'm watching my daughter, 14-year-old daughter, comes, Abby, she comes, she starts watching with me, and she's interested. I'm like, you want to do this? And she's like, yeah, so we're going to fix this together, and it's great. I'm stoked. Like, great father-daughter time, plus she's going to learn that she can identify problems and fix them on her own. It's going to be great, get some confidence. So we watch the videos, and it's pretty simple. You just have to find the the water line that traces from the dispenser down through the refrigerator all the way to the main line and find out where the water's either frozen or there's a clog. So we go to the front of the refrigerator first, and we, we take apart the line and we see it's not flowing there, so the, the, leak, the, the stoppage must be somewhere else. So we go, we push the refrigerator out from the wall, crawl back there, and we're there at the main line. Now I know that if I pop that line open, what's going to happen? 
water from the main lines that just come shooting like crazy out, right? Now I'm smart enough, so I know I have it. So I say, I'm not going to do that yet. I need to turn the water off, right? So I go to the valve, which is connected to the valve under our sink. I open that up, and I look at it and say, oh, this looks like the same valve that was in my old house. And with that old valve, all I had to do was turn it 90 degrees, and the water turned off. That's how it worked before. Clearly, that's how it worked this time. So I turn the valve 90 degrees, and I go back to the hose, and my daughter's watching closely, looking, and I, and I, you know, I have to get ready to find the clog, so I'm holding it very close to my face <laughs> so that I can peer into the hose and see what, what might be clogging it. And I pop that sucker open, and what do you think happens? I get a face full of water, 100 miles an hour is blasting me right in the face. It's blowing my daughter. It's getting, getting water's growing up, <laughs> pooling in our kitchen. And I'm like, ah, turn off the valves, turn off the valves. And for those of you who are old enough, I feel like Scotty from Star Trek, right? Shut her down, Captain. She's going to explode. And so my daughter's trying to figure out. It's like, I can't find it. I'm like, okay, so I got to put the spurting hose. And I'm imagining it's like a fire hose, like waving all over. And I go over and I shut the valve off and now we're standing in an inch of water and soaking wet clothes, looking at each other going, it worked better last time. And 20 towels later, uh, the floor is dried and we get everything fixed and we got the water dispenser fixed and we learned the very valuable lesson that just because it worked that way last time doesn't mean it works that way this time. Uh, so uh, mistake number nine for me was what I call passive love. And so I know that part of my responsibility and my calling as a follower of Jesus is to love people and to love them well, to love them with the same love that Christ has loved me with and to love my neighbors, to love people I work with, to love you, to love especially to love my family, to pray for them, to listen to them, to care for them, to provide for them, to protect them. And I take that seriously. I know how much Jesus has loved me and I want to represent that love well, but there's an area where this year in particular I struggled, and that's in the area of what I call pursuit. That in Ephesians, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And part of the idea there is that Jesus didn't just sit back and wait for people to come to him. He came and gave his life. He pursues us. That's why Jesus says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And I've experienced that in my own personal walk, that while I was denying that God even existed, he was still pursuing me. And I'm supposed to do the same, to pursue people with his love. But sometimes that pursuit is a challenge for me. I've discovered that we all want to be pursued. I want to be pursued. We all have, and we all have a specific way we want to be pursued that is, that is very specific to us. And when someone does, not, not just loved, not just appreciated, not, not just respected, not just responded to, but we want to be pursued. And when someone pursues us in a particular way, it unlocks something inside of us. It, it makes us feel uniquely important to that person in such a way that it changes our perspective. It builds trust. It builds intimacy. It helps us interpret their words and their actions in a whole new light. It's a real game changer. And I know that my wife, for her, one of the ways she wants me to pursue her is by dating her. Now, that does not mean that I get a stamp and I stamp her on the forehead of the date she's going to expire. What I mean is that, nobody else thought that, but I did. Uh, what I mean is that 
My wife loves it. And it's not, my wife loves me and, and, and she's so gracious about this, but it makes her feel uniquely important when I pick a date, when I pick a restaurant, when I arrange for all the childcare myself, and I come home and I say, we're going on a date. And I whisk her away and we sit down and we just, I focus on her. And the truth is, I know that and I did not do that this year, except for maybe one time throughout the whole year despite knowing how my wife wants to be pursued. And so much so that as part of our Marriage Mondays, I had a group of guys and I said, hey, I want you to hold me accountable. And when we said, what is the one way that you can love your spouse? And I said, I want you to hold me accountable. I need to set up a date with my wife. So the next week came and they said, did you set up a date with your wife? And I said, no. And the next week came and they said, did you set up a date with your wife? And I said, no. Third week, no. And then it was the holidays. And so... Last night, I sat down with my wife, and I said, I'm taking you on a date on January 3rd, and we will go out, and, we will, and I, we will just be together. You don't have to worry about anything. I will take care of it. Now, I'm using this specific example of dating my wife, uh, but the larger point is that Jesus calls me and us to pursue people with his love. And so I ask for you to pray for me in 2019 that I will pursue my wife, She's, I keep pointing to her because she's right there. <laughs> um, but I'll pursue my wife uh, with Christ-like love, but also that I will pursue others with the same love that he has pursued me with. So I want to introduce Kimberly now and have her share her mistakes. All right, so here we go. Mistake number eight for me. Uh, I expected my husband to read my mind. Um, so this past Thanksgiving, uh, my family gathered at my parents' house, and, and is tradition, we all will bring a couple of dishes so not one person has to be responsible for everything. So uh, the group texts were going back and forth, and when it settled down, I decided that we needed another dessert. And so uh, I perused Pinterest and decided that I was going to make a lemon cheesecake. All right, so I'm going to go after it. I went to the store. I got the ingredients uh, in the kitchen. We get it going. This particular one uh, that had great reviews called for lemon curd. Um, didn't have lemon curd, but I could make it, so that was good, and got to work. Uh, made the lemon curd. It didn't quite set up the way that it's supposed to get quite as gelled, but it tasted good, so that was fine. And then the cheesecake, which I made, not the no-bake kind, like put it in the oven, bake it, took it out. Uh, cooled, uh, cooperated nicely in that it sank some in the center, which created a nice little spot to hold the pool of lemon curd. So worked out well for me. And then um, we're getting ready to go. And my parents live in Castagram, so it's about a 40, 45 minute drive. Uh, we didn't want any food poisoning going on. So I, I grabbed one of those collapsible cooler bags that you keep in your car in the summer when you go grocery shopping for ice cream and uh, you don't want it to turn to soup on the way home. So you put that in there. So. The one that I had, the, the cake tin, I couldn't set it in straight, the directly way it should go, but if you laid the bag on the side and slid it in this way, it fit perfectly, it was great, put an ice pack underneath, zipped it up, carried it out nicely on its side, can't use the handles, but that's all right. Um, laid it in the car directly, you know, nice spot for it, packed things around it so it wouldn't shift around too much. Um, we head down to my parents' house and ready to unload, and my husband, like good husbands do, jumps in to help unload the car. And um, he walks into the kitchen with my bag, <laughs> and um, all of a sudden is like bewildered why I am yelling at him that he just ruined my cheesecake. 
all this work and it's gone and he ruined it. And there's like lemon curd oozing out and my sister is sitting there and she's looking at like, what is going on? And there's this voice that I start to hear in my head that is like, you didn't tell him. And I'm like, shush, I don't wanna hear you. I'm mad and it's his fault. And it gets a little bit louder and I realized that I had expected that he should have known, he should have read my mind that the bag couldn't be carried the way that it was supposed to be carried. So we cleaned it up and it was fine and we salvaged it and we had a great Thanksgiving, but uh, funny enough, last week we're at my parents' house again for Christmas day and my husband carries in the bag with the casserole dish, uh, the potato dish that I made and my sister is sitting there and she looks at him and is like, uh, did you ask her how to carry that bag? <laughs> so probably I'm not gonna be living that mistake down anytime soon. Uh, number seven, I forgot to rest or just maybe decided I didn't need to, I'm not sure. But anyway, hello, my name is Kimberly. I am a people pleaser. I have some perfectionist tendencies and maybe some control issues. I am a wife. Uh, I am a mother of three busy kids. I am full-time on staff here. I'm actively involved at our elementary school. And so it's a busy season. And everybody knows when you have kids this age, often it's just, that's how it is. It's a busy season in your life. And, uh, but these are all great things. I mean, I'm pursuing God's work and raising a family, and these are things that deserve to be done well and given attention to. And so um, we all know if you just peruse through Proverbs and you know the Lord, he detests laziness, right? And the Lord's work is never done. And so I just need to keep going because I'm working for God and working for the kingdom. But that's where I went wrong and, or I missed it because there's this story um, that's like, very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. Um, I've read probably a hundred times and kind of definitely missed one little piece. Um, so God, six days, creates the heavens and the earth and the moon and the stars and the land, the plants, the animals and us. And then day seven, he keeps going because the Lord's work is never done. <laughs> nope. He rests. God rests. But for whatever reason, I thought as a mere human, I didn't need to or didn't deserve to. And it's a funny thing that happens when uh, you don't follow his example. And it's not just an example, it's like the fourth commandment that I also, I guess, was kind of ignoring, you know, honor the Sabbath. Um, I lost my joy. I lost my fire. And things that I loved doing just became tasks that I needed to get through and get done. And I found myself going through uh, days with just kind of putting the mask over my face, like, it's all good. I can do it. Everything's great. We're just going to keep going. So what I learned and what I found is it's in that rest, when you take that time, that you can actually hear God speak to you. You can hear him speak words love over you, of love over you. You can hear him equip you and give you the courage and what you need to do to go forward, to continue on and run that race and press on to win the prize that he has called you to. Diablo. Mistake number six, looks can be deceiving. Okay, so I'm sure you know this song. Do you hear what I hear? Pretty good pitch, pretty good pitch. Okay, so I'm on staff here, and so the creative team, just a few weeks ago, we were planning and getting ready for our six Christmas at Mountain Park services. And so part of our value as a team is that we want to creatively come up with um, elements that, we, that involve all of us where we get to make a memory.
And so I was thinking, okay, we're gonna have the orchestra, we're gonna have you know, eight vocalists, this is gonna be dynamic, we have the band, we've got the lights, we have the sparkling screen. I thought, oh, you know what would be great? Is to include everybody in attendance to be a part of the band by getting everybody an instrument. And so some of your faces is like, how in the world are we gonna do that and how are we gonna pay for it? Well, you know, there's a wonderful little company they sell online, they send out magazines and it's called Oriental Trading. And so they make these wonderful um, kazoos. Have you ever seen one of these? So they're, they're bright festive of the season. And so I thought, I'm gonna order those and oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna invite everybody when we play Star of Wonder, you know, the da 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 da. Can you hear what I hear and play it back to us with your kazoo? And so I got it in the box got here. 4,000 kazoos, the box, and I was so excited to open it up and try it out. So I get it, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be epic, but this is what I heard. And I was like, is this thing broken? And so I opened up another one, and I grabbed another one. So I pull it out, and what I realized is that um, these kazoos, they might look the part, and they may look like the season, but they definitely don't produce a sound that sounds like a kazoo. So therefore, I learned that we will have this monument of kazoos to make a memory with here at Mountain Park. Okay, so moving on to um, my next mistake. So mistake number five, love the desert, not the desserts. Now, I had to bring, I had to bring my little goodie back. Now, I love Little Debbie's. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love Little Debbie's, but Little Debbie's do not love me. So, um, what, I love a lot of other things that are not really good for me, like Sprite, pizza, donuts. <laughs> oh, I can't forget those biscuits at Popeye's. Mmm. And don't forget the honey, because if you forget the honey, you won't get to taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> and so I thought, I just love some biscuits from Popeye's, but I thought, okay, this was my way of, in, back in February, I resigned from a position where I served in the same capacity at a place where I loved people, but it was a season where I had stayed as long as I could, and the Lord was like, it's, it's time to lay it down. And I was like, okay, God. And laying down something that you love is difficult because you build relationships and connections. Actually, the lady that was singing next to me um, is actually from my old church and came to visit, and so I had her serving today. But you make these relationships that makes it hard when you love on people. But I knew it was time to go. And so with transition and with change comes anxiety, which equals stress. So I found myself trying to fill this void. But we can often sabotage our best efforts in seasons of change when we have a failure to, to rest, like Kimberly said, when there's a, a lack of adequate sleep, and when we just simply, just in, we partake in behaviors that are simply destructive. Now, I know what the scripture says, theologically sound, that the desert, this desert is supposed to be like this place where God is doing things in our character, where it's like this identity of self type of things. I mean, after all, he did lead the Israelites to go around this roundabout journey, and then, but it built their character. And so for me, I was saying like, God, what are you trying to do? Because it was, it was difficult. And I'd share it with a lot of people, but there would be days that I would just lay in the bed and just wallow in that like, <sighs> I thought of Exodus 13, 6, and I would begin to declare, hey, DeAndre, God, you brought me out here. You told me to leave this place, and you brought me to this desert, to this wilderness, and now there's no jobs to kill me. Like, what are you doing? But I forgot 
that he's the grand conductor and that he orchestrates things so well beyond what I could ever have imagined. And so today I stand here and I'm able to lead us because of a season of being in the desert. Now we all know God has a sense of humor. So now I live in the desert, which I tell people, they're like, I live in Arizona. It's like, it's all desert. I'm like, no, that's not true. But I have discovered that in the desert, there are even better snacks than Little Debbie. I have to show you this. It's called Nothing Bont Cakes. And the church said, amen. All right. So they're closed today, but you can join them Monday through Saturday. You can tell them I sent you from Mountain Park. But that was my mistake. Now I'll turn it over to London. Thank you. Hello, my name is London Smith, and I attended the high school service there here at SU. And my number five, four, four, five, four, five mistake. <laughs> Three, oh, okay. Four. Four, thank you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I think I that know. was the mistake that right there. That was the mistake, you missed it. Um, it's playing the I knew it game with God. Um, a characteristic about myself, if you knew me, is that I am extremely indecisive. Like I just, I can't make a decision, decision sometimes. And you would know this if we've ever been to the Cheesecake Factory together. Um, just like Kimberly, I love cheesecake. And um, going in there, I, I know I want cheesecake and I'm hungry for cheesecake. But once I get in there, man, and I look at their menu, I mean, that menu is like longer than the Bible sometimes. Like I'm flipping through, I'm like, this is some hefty stuff. And so, so sometimes I talk myself out of getting the cheesecake, out of getting the thing that I know I want. And, and I get the item and it comes to my table and I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, I knew it. I knew it, I knew I should have gotten the cheesecake. I found myself doing this in my life as well. Oh, I knew it, I knew I should have talked to that person. I knew that I shouldn't have said that. I knew that I should have taken action when God told me to. A specific instance of, of when this happened in 2018 was, I was a part of this group called Fellows, and my partner and I were supposed to go to a different branch of the Christian church. So we decided to go to a missional Baptist church. Now let me tell you, that church is loud and long and on fire for Jesus. I loved the atmosphere. They're praising all day. It was wonderful. And at the end of the service, the bishop is getting ready to dismiss us and he says, hey, if you need praise, if you need worship, if you need anything from the Lord, I invite you to come down to the stage. Come down. And so I'm getting this like warm feeling in my stomach. I'm like, this is the Lord. I'm gonna take action. This is gonna be so great. And then right after that, I get another feeling in my stomach and it's my stomach growling. And it's like, girl, you've been here for a long time. It's time for lunch. And so I, I don't listen to the Lord that day. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's probably nothing major. And so a couple weeks later, I'm watching the news and I see his face pop up on the screen. I'm like, no way. I just saw this guy. I was just at his church. And then I realized just moments later, I was talking about, how he passed away in his sleep. Ah, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew when God was telling me to do something that I should have taken action right at that moment. And I didn't. In 2019, I don't wanna play the I knew it game with God. I wanna incorporate the Nike swoosh into my life and that's to just do it. Everything that the Lord said, okay, Lord, I'm just gonna do it. My mistake number three is that I'm being impatient with God's plan. God's plan, you know, like the song by Drake. Um, <laughs> I, in this season, 
I feel like I've been called to, to love on people, to love on people around me, specifically um, with my cousin and my very best friend. Um, I would consider them to be non-believers. They attend the church, but they're not super, you know, into it. And that's totally okay for that season. And I just felt like the Lord's telling me, just, just love on them. Let them know that wherever they're at, that, that I love them and that you love them as well. And so every once in a while, I get this, this feeling from the God and he's like, hey, take action. Do what I'm telling you to do and just say something about them to me. I mean, about them, yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so I do, I take action sometimes and I get really excited because I'm like, we're having such a good conversation. It's about the Lord, getting into it. And then I look over at them and I'm like, nothing's changed. Not one thing has changed. Nothing about them has changed. Nothing about me has changed. Hey, I'm doing God's work. Why, why am I, I'm doing what you're telling me to do, Lord, and I see where I'm supposed to be, and how come I'm not getting there? And so I began to get frustrated with the Lord. But then at that moment, at that moment, I just, I felt this, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Know that my plan will always, always be better than yours. And so in 2019, I do wanna bring that. I wanna be patient with God's plan. <laughs> For the last two, it's gonna be Alan, so I invite you all to direct your attention to the screen. So I'll share a few of uh, my mistakes from uh, 18, narrowing it down to just a couple. Once again, these are not the only mistakes I made this year. These are just the ones I'm willing to share in video. The first uh, mistake was pizza burger. I was uh, traveling, I was at a different uh, city earlier on this year, and um, I've been, I'm trying to eat well. I'm trying to make good decisions in terms of, of food that I eat. And, when I eat out, particularly when I travel, when I'm always eating out, it's very difficult for me to make good decisions, good healthy decisions in terms of eating. So I try, I work real hard, and so on this one day, I uh, picked a salad for lunch, and it was delicious, I was feeling good about myself, and then at dinner, I was at a restaurant, looking at the menu, looking at the options, and I saw something on there listed as a pizza burger. And so I read more about it. It was a hamburger patty with bacon and cheese wrapped in a pepperoni pizza. And I looked up at the waiter and I said, I have to have that. And so I did, jumped on it. And it was disgusting. It was horrid. It was, and I knew after just a few bites that this thing was going to be disgusting. I, of course, finished it all because I bought it. And so then at the end of that, I just felt the guilt and the weight of why did I continue to eat this thing that I knew was at the very other end of the spectrum in terms of what I'm supposed to be doing with myself. Why is it that I, that I know what I'm supposed to do so often and, and I don't do it? Why is it that I, what, what would it take for me to actually get the wisdom in life to know what I'm supposed to do and consistently make the right decision instead of continuing to stumble on similar kinds of mistakes. The second mistake I want to share from 2018 was that I underappreciated an opportunity. 
This summer, my son Martin went with student ministry, went to youth camp, and he came back from the youth camp with a desire to do a Bible study with someone that he respected. And so he came home and he pulled me aside. He said, Dad, would you do a Bible study with me? I mean, that is an amazing opportunity and situation on so many levels. First of all, that we have a student ministry that inspires kids to do that kind of thing. Second of all, that my son was following up on that. And thirdly, like blow your mind, is that he would ask me and invite me to be a part of that. It's just a great, great, great opportunity. So, so in the summertime, he and uh, his brother and I did a Bible study together and we walked through the book of Hebrews as the summer went on. At the beginning of the school year, our schedules got a lot more chaotic and things started to get slippery. We uh, tried to make a transition at that point into studying the book of James together, but it became more and more difficult for us to find a time to get together to work on the Bible study. This was a mistake. It was a huge mistake. I knew that this was a great opportunity that God had provided for me, and I just let it slip away. I didn't hang on to it with both hands. I let it slip away. I didn't fully appreciate what God had provided until it had started to slip away. And, uh, and so um, that's not a wise move. I mean, when uh, the door opens, we should walk all the way in, not just peek in. When a, a prayer that we've been sending up to God is finally answered, we should be thankful and respond uh, for all it's worth. When the opportunity knocks, we, we shouldn't say, I, I'll, I'll be there in a minute. Uh, we should go let opportunity in and invite it over uh, for dinner and maximize these opportunities uh, instead of uh, taking a little bit of it and letting the rest of it slip away. In 2019, I hope to fully appreciate all that God has for me and my family and for us as a church. So those are 10 of, of, of our mistakes. And as Alan said, we could fill books with more mistakes, uh, tons of mistakes that we've made throughout the year. If you have never done this before, I want to encourage you. We want to encourage you over the next today, tomorrow, the next couple days, take some time to, to write out what are your top 10 mistakes? What are the mistakes you made in 2018? Be honest enough with yourself to say, hey, I've got things that I need to work on. I've got things I want to be willing to, to open myself to how I can grow. And maybe this is something you've done before and you're comfortable. And this is, by the way, one of the best ways to come up with any resolutions that you want to do rather than just going back to those old resolutions you didn't fulfill last year. But to really look this year, what are some things, mistakes you made, and what does God want to do in your life in the midst of those? And so if you've never done that before, I want to give you some, a few tips. And you got a piece of paper as you came in, with a, and then there's some pens in, in front of you. If you want to take some notes, that's fine. Just want to give you some, a quick way, because it can be a daunting thing. It can be a challenging thing to sit down with a piece of paper and say, okay, what did I do wrong this year? Now, some of you are like, oh, that's easy. Here's a list. But but for me, I find that while I am aware of my own sin, actually really thinking through specific things can be difficult. And you, so it takes take some time. So here's, here's some, 
some tips. Number one, pray. Start by humbling yourself before the Lord and, and acknowledging, hey, God, I need you to make me aware of my mistakes. Because there may be some that you're aware of and there, there we all have blind spots. Every single one of us has areas where we're not even fully aware of our sins. And so in Psalm 139, 23 to 24, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 is a great scripture to pray and say, God, see if there is any, any offensive way in me, any offensive way in me. Show it to me, reveal it to me. Take your, your light and shine it into the darkest corners of my heart. I lay it all before you and I am opening myself up to whatever you might. There's nothing in my life that's off limits, God. Step two, ask. Ask some simple questions. What are some things I did that created problems? <laughs> what are some things that I did that created problems for me? that created problems for the people around me, that created problems in my workspace? What are some things that I didn't do that I should have done that created problems? And then reflect. Think about things. Think about every relationship. Every relationship you have, family relationships, uh, your parents, your siblings, your kids, your spouse, your, think about your work relationships, your relationship with the grocery store guy, whatever the case may be. Think about your relationships. Think also about transitions that happened during the year. If you started a new job, how did that go? With your kids starting school again, how did that go? Think about your, your transition. Think about the holidays. Think about birthdays. Think about your vacations. Think about all of those things. How did that go? Was there some things, some mistakes that you made that you can reflect on? Then four, seek. And this is, this is really a, often for us a hard one. Ask others to share their observations. This is the scary one. Going to someone and saying, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna humble myself before you and say, you tell me, what did you see in this year where, where I messed up? What did you see where I caused problems, maybe in my marriage or in my workplace? If you, if you have people, if you are a supervisor and you have people who work underneath you, go to them and say, what did you see in me? One of the questions I ask the staff here often in our meetings is I say, what is something I'm doing that's hurting you? Is there anything I'm doing that's hurting you or hurting the team? Something, a blind spot that I'm not aware of. And ask someone to speak into you. You know, in, in, in uh, Proverbs 27, 6, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And in, um, in Psalm 141, 5, it says, let a righteous man strike me, that is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. There is something life-giving that happens when we courageously and humbly come before people and say, speak into my life. Now, find the right person. Don't go to just anyone. Find someone who you trust and ask them to speak their observations in your life. And then ask them to pray for, with you and pray for you in that. And then finally, write it down. Put these down in writing. There is something that happens. It's good to talk about it. And for you verbal processors out there, of which I am one, it's great to talk about it. Talk about it with your spouse. Talk about it. It's great. But there's also something that happens when you take the time to write something down. Not just type it. I'm going to be old school. I'm going to actually encourage you to get one of these things called a pencil. And this other thing called a paper, 
and actually write it down and go through the physical process of specifically writing that mistake down. Put it on your, your refrigerator, put it somewhere on your bathroom mirror, put it somewhere where you can see it. And then for the next few weeks, you can take time to pray and ask God into those areas of your life. So I want to take some time to pray for us now, and then we're going to worship a little bit more before we dismiss. Would you pray with me? Well, Lord, there is nothing in our hearts that you can't see. Uh, as much as we want to, um, to portray ourselves as having everything put together, as much as we uh, want our, our real life to be Facebook life, with, with everything, all, everybody always smiling and everything going well, Lord, you're never fooled. And you know the brokenness in us and the brokenness that causes brokenness in others. And we thank you that, that you know it and you offer grace for it. And in 1 John, you say that if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in the next couple days, in the next few days, in the next couple weeks, God, I pray that Mountain Park would be a body of people who are seeking your forgiveness and being cleansed by you, being renewed in our hearts and minds, being shaped into more like the person of Jesus Christ. As we come to you, would you reveal what needs to be revealed? Would you forgive what needs to be forgiven? And would you renew and restore what needs to be restored as only you can? And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.